the one who believes that Hong Kong that now only has 3% of China's GDP and Taiwan who has about 5% of China's GDP cannot impact China in several ways are fairly wrong and this is why China cares so much about them. People often reject to believe what they don't understand or what scares them. With Dragonfolio China, you have the unique chance to truly understand a frequently misconceived country and an inevitable shift in the 21st century. Just lean back and enjoy a fascinating journey through China that will astonish and reward you. Ni guys and welcome to the next episode of Dragonfolio China. My name is Eric and today I'm going to talk about Greater China. Greater China is a term that is often used when referring to China and particular countries around China, but I believe most people do not really know its real meaning and what it is all about. And this is why today I'm going to teach you a little geography lesson, but of course, as you know it, in Dragonfolio it's always more than just one topic or one area. And first of all, I want to make clear that there's no distinct definition of the term Greater China. So let's draw a line here for us. As the majority of people understands it today, and that's mostly in a economic and cultural sense, Greater China refers to the geographic area of mainland China, which is the People's Republic of China, plus its two special administrative regions, which are Hong Kong and Macau, and then finally Taiwan, also called the Republic of China sometimes. By expanding the area slightly, you can find further conceptions of Greater China. You can, for instance, include Singapore, where more than three quarters of the population are ethnic Chinese. Moreover, you could include other Southeast Asian states, such as Malaysia and Thailand, which have the largest number of overseas Chinese worldwide. And speaking of overseas Chinese, you could even go as far as to neglect the geographic area entirely and say Greater China is every spot on Earth where ethnic Chinese are somehow present. And this would, of course, include other parts like North America, Australia, Europe, and basically refers to the entire area where you can somehow find Chinese presence, especially in a cultural field. However, for the understanding here, and for my personal definition that I use for Dragonfolio China, let's stick with the definition from the very beginning, and that's mainland China, Taiwan, Hong Kong, and Macau. In addition, since this term also comes up very frequently in this context, what is Indochina? Indochina is something totally different. So Indochina is a part of the Southeast Asian mainland, has nothing to do with Greater China, first of all, but simply has its name from the Indian and Chinese influence um, in a more historic sense, but is not related to Greater China directly. And I also want to emphasize that the way I use Greater China is mainly a geographic term for the economic, financial and commercial sector. I don't use it in a political context. I know that a lot of people, they might even take offense from this designation because they think I don't belong to China, but I'm in this area. But I use this term because you can definitely not deny that these four regions have very important economic ties and have a certain dependence. And... Since I don't have a better name for it, I stick with it. And so today I will talk about the so-called Da Chonghua, which in Chinese means Greater China. 
And I'm not talking about the four regions in detail today because talking about each of them in an appropriate frame would simply take too much time and is a perfect topic for four further episodes. So I'm going to talk about this later. Today I want to talk about the region itself, its relevance and the relations and dependencies within. And this brings me to the first aspect, the relevance. Recently, a lot of media headlines might have caught your attention because they are constantly dealing with relations among China, Hong Kong and Taiwan. And we are now in the year 2020. Recently, tensions have partly even further increased. You have a lot, you have the demonstrations in Hong Kong. We had very important elections in Taiwan. And all these events and incidents are always also related to a lot of trouble, a lot of pressure, a lot of tensions. And theoretically, of course, to fulfill the greater China definition that we have. There's a fourth candidate called Macau, so it's not only mainland China, Hong Kong and Taiwan, but due to the economic insignificance of uh, Macau, I'm not paying too much attention today. No offense here, but I think the triangle mainland China, Taiwan, Hong Kong is way more interesting for you as my listener. Overall, there's no doubt that all of the three mentioned protagonists, no matter what size, significantly influence each other. And that is in two ways, negatively and positively. The one who believes that Hong Kong that now only has 3% of China's GDP and Taiwan who has about 5% of China's GDP cannot impact China in several ways are fairly wrong. And this is why China cares so much about them. Eventually, all of the three are heavily depending on each other. And needless to say, they need each other in good condition. So why are they depending on each other? I will go through a very short, let's say, relation cluster here. I'm not going to make it too detailed, but just briefly make you aware of why they're important for each other. Does China need Taiwan? Of course, Taiwan has a huge historic and strategic importance for China. And without Taiwan, China would not be as huge as it is today. Taiwanese investments helped China to become so big and become a leading manufacturer and exporter. They moved a lot of their production lines to China in the past. And still today, they're one of the largest investors in mainland China. Does China need Hong Kong? Of course. First of all, Hong Kong is the investor number one in mainland China. Secondly, Hong Kong is also kind of a gate to the world for China. A lot of foreign direct investments come through Hong Kong. And especially in the past where China had shortage of capital, Hong Kong and Taiwan helped to make China big. And on the other hand, there are also a lot of brands and ideas and entrepreneurs. They're all coming from Taiwan and Hong Kong. So there's also a huge cultural influence on the mainland that I would personally value it as very positively. Does Hong Kong need China? Yes, because Hong Kong's prosperity is closely tied to foreign investors and one of them is mainland China. It's not just the uh, Western powers, but of course China is also very important for Hong Kong and a lot of the major mainland companies are listed in Hong Kong. This is why the stock exchange in Hong Kong is so important and has such a huge international relevance. Does Hong Kong need Taiwan? Certainly, Taiwan is Hong Kong's third most important trading partner after the United States and China. And over the course of time, Taiwan and Hong Kong even improved their relations due to their democratic actions. And so, of course, you can also ask, does Taiwan eat Hong Kong? Yes, of course, because after China, but before the United States, Hong Kong is the second largest importer of Taiwanese goods 
And of course, Hong Kong is also a point through which most of the legal trade and investment between Taiwan and mainland passes until today. And last but not least, does Taiwan need China? Yes, China is Taiwan's largest trading partner by far and accounts for almost 30% of Taiwanese exports. So just like Hong Kong, China is of course also a very big market and extremely relevant for people and companies on the islands. I hope this was not too much information. Normally I'm not here to spam you with a lot of data, but though I wanted to uh, mention these figures um, because I wanted to emphasize that despite their small size, Taiwan and Hong Kong are so important for China and in order to stay strong themselves, of course, also need a solid China. And this is why it's so essential that the triangle of China, Hong Kong and Taiwan sticks together rather than weakening one another. Besides, they must of course focus and rely on their common grounds and values. And that brings me to the next aspect. Similarities. Why is it even called Greater China? One of the most significant similarities is undoubtedly the Chinese language, which apart from some minority groups is spoken basically everywhere in Greater China. Yes, there are different dialects. There is Cantonese and Mandarin, and there are also different characters, but overall, the linguistic family and especially the characters are pretty much the same or at least have the same origin. This is why even in Taiwan, people would say they speak Chungwen, which is Chinese and also Cantonese, which they speak in uh, Macau and Hong Kong, is also a Chinese language at the end. There's no other country except those four that I mentioned where Chinese is an official language other than Singapore, of course. So theoretically, you could put Singapore also into the Greater China definition. Personally, I don't do it because of the geographic location. I don't think that Singapore belongs there and also there are other aspects. But language is already extremely important. Let's keep that in mind. And of course, you have a lot of other overlaps, such as culture, I mentioned economy, the mentality, so you have this Confucius philosophy in all of the places, you cannot deny this. And when I talk about culture and mentality, then it's a bit harder to put all of them under one single roof, and I don't want to do this. And why? China and all these regions together are a large-sized region. China itself is a large-sized country, and there are enormous differences even between all the different provinces. You can say that a person from Fujian, which is a eastern China province, will most likely rather identify himself or herself with a person from Taiwan because their dialect is similar, the food is quite similar, they drink the same tea, the climate is um, pretty much the same, and also their mentality. Whereas a person from Guangdong, which is a southern Chinese province close to Hong Kong, might feel much closer to a person from Hong Kong or Macau for exactly the same reason, because chances are they speak the same language, Cantonese, and they might not even understand other Chinese mainlanders. But overall, they still belong to this region, because as I said also in one of the previous episodes, the Chinese culture is extremely strong, and it does not stop at a border or a shore. This is why also in a lot of overseas communities, you have a strong influence of Chinese culture, and I think overall the emergence of greater China is an attractive possibility for economic, 
ecological and cultural exchange. It has always been like this. They came big together. Of course, in the beginning, it was more Hong Kong and Taiwan, but they also benefited from China's rise later and helped them to grow. And now, of course, they all are doing quite okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know there are some conflicts now. I know that also per capita income in some of the places decreased. But if you go to these countries, then you can tell that they are an average quite stable over the past years and people are doing fairly well. They all have its specialties, its weaknesses, its strengths and other parts of the world. They don't care. They see them as competition and it might be really hard to fight them. They fear the semiconductors from Taiwan just as much as the banks from Hong Kong and just as much as the electric vehicles from China. We must face reality here. It's a global competition and I personally don't believe that they could do so well without each other. And of course, to my mind, some of the dependents got a bit lost on the way. Like China does not need Taiwan anymore to grow so much. Taiwan has strong connections with the United States. Hong Kong always had good relations with the UK. So yeah, you can say they can do without each other. They could survive. But can they do very well? I really doubt so. So what I want to emphasize here is that at the end, it has not really mattered too much who belongs to whom, at least in a economic context. Important is that all countries, systems, regions, provinces, whatever you call them, treat each other respectfully and support one another to achieve common goals. And these goals have always been the same and are first and foremost the ability and economic growth. This has not changed at all over the course of time. And it was also the reason why they were all so successful. If this success is supposed to continue, China, Hong Kong and Taiwan must find their own but also common ways for the future. I'm not saying that this is an easy task. It requires really constructive negotiations, peaceful resolutions and smart people. That's the most important thing. At the end, they have to sit at one table because if you look at Hong Kong, then you can say there's no solution inside right now that will satisfy own parties. But you need a solution. You need a solution for the next years. And you also need a long-term solution, not just to survive and to keep things flowing. There must be a common way that most people agree on. And of course, this is why I say it's so important that you have good leaders and you have the right people who are willing to talk with each other. And of course, at the end, represent what is best for their overall prosperity, but also the society. My personal observation is that, well, of course, this topic got more and more relevant lately, and it's a very sensitive topic. Uh, I haven't been in Hong Kong for a while, to be honest. I have been to Taiwan last year, and uh, I'm in China frequently. What I observed is that in daily life, when Chinese, Taiwanese, Hong Kongese come together, they don't really talk about politics anyway so much. And this is why normally there are not too much tensions. But I know examples where even families or friends have now problems with each other because they have different views. And also that suddenly people become more political who did not care before that. And also you have more fear. There are also a lot of Chinese now who are afraid to go to Hong Kong because even though they did nothing wrong, they're afraid to go there. And on the other hand, Hong Kongese and Taiwanese 
might be afraid to say something that later you can hold against them. And of course, this culture of fear is not that great. And so I hope that a lot of these problems that we have in a more political context, but also demographic and social aspect can be solved and that this helps because this is a base for flowing economies and that is so important. Needless to say, all of this is not a trivial process and might take years, if not decades. But I'm also confident because all these regions have smart people, they have huge capabilities, so I'm very sure they can find solutions for that. So today I talked about a very crucial topic and I know a lot of people might not agree on a few things that I said and this is absolutely fine. Please feel free to let me know in the comments or if you don't want to do this, drop me a message. I'm always really happy and excited to exchange about these topics. For me, it's also very difficult. You can imagine I have friends in Hong Kong, China and Taiwan. I don't want to offend anyone. I just want to bring it over in a most neutral way. Personally, I'm also honest, I care mostly about the economic relevance of this topic and I wanted to explain the term Greater China today because I use it frequently to relate this entire region and that's why I wanted to explain it and also give a lot of people who don't really know about it an idea what is a common definition of it. I have been to all of the regions, Macau, Hong Kong, Taiwan and mainland China and I have to say I'm absolutely fascinated by the cultural environment there and this is why I personally feel it's so important that it stays like this and that those places are going to develop and continue their awesome story. And so you can definitely be sure that I'm going to talk about all of these four regions more in detail in some further episodes that are coming very soon. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Folio China podcast. As you've kept listening until now, I assume you enjoyed the show and would appreciate a five-star rating on your podcast app, which allows other folks to learn about this important topic as well. For more fascinating insights into China and for easy ways to benefit, make sure to visit the website at dragonfolio.net and sign up for the free newsletter.